Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSN, the sports betting network. It is that time, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to it. The show is Rush Hour here on VCD Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke Five. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at VCD Live or the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Throughout the next hour, we got a good show planned for you. Wes Reynolds hosting many different shows here on the network. We'll be sharing some of his best bets throughout the NFL for this upcoming week. We already talked about all the teaser options. We'll see if Wes has any on his docket for the upcoming NFL Week 4 slate. Furthermore, we'll talk with another PFF guest. Love having those guys on. And Seth Galina will be joining us of PFF, senior football analyst. Not only will we talk about the NFL with Seth, but I know he's got some interest in college football this upcoming week. So we'll dabble in both arenas with Seth in about a half hour. Toward the end of the show, it is Wednesday, which means, look, we take a look at those futures and how they've been updated on the week-to-week basis. So uh, we'll get in touch with that in about 45 minutes later on the program. We'll take a look at MVP, Defensive Rookie of the Year. And if we have some time, we'll take a look at some division bets as well. Like I mentioned, it is Wednesday, so we will be doing midweek movements to get things kicked off. But before we get into that, let me get you squared away with the Lions for Thursday night football. Of course, we'll be previewing this a lot more and getting more in-depth with it on tomorrow's show. But as it stands right now at Bet Rivers, the spread is still at 7.5 in favor of Cincinnati. Total, we're seeing about 46. And you really haven't seen too much movement in terms of the spread. 7.5 has been fairly steady as of this point. Total has ticked up a half point from 45.5 to 46. 
So again, nothing significant in terms of where it opened and where it's currently standing right now. But the news that has come about is T. Higgins is going to be missing this game. Jesse Bates, the safety for Cincinnati, is also going to be missing this game. But does that alter your thoughts on how this game is going to go down? To me, it doesn't. And I discussed this earlier in the week, but this is a prime teaser opportunity. You're getting a home favorite of just over seven in Cincinnati. So you tease them down by six through the key numbers of seven and three. And then you just need the Bengals to win by two, seven and a half down to one and a half. Now, even more so, again, you know, look at who they're playing. This Jacksonville team is obviously a mess, and that was kind of our assumption and handicap of this squad coming into this season, and it looks like it's even tougher for Urban Meyer, who already seems to be hating his life as of this moment. Trevor Lawrence isn't showing any good glimpses thus far, and again, it's not completely his fault. I mean, it's a lot of tough pieces around there that haven't gotten solved yet. It's going to take time. But again, this is a great teaser opportunity for the Bengals as opposed to laying over the key number of seven. So tease down Cincinnati, pair it with another squad for this upcoming slate. I did a couple of teasers with the Bengals. I did Bengals down to six points to about minus one, minus one and a half. I mean, now it's minus one and a half, but I got it down to minus one. Pair them with the Packers down to about a half as they're hosting the Steelers this week at home. And then another one with the Bengals, you tease them down. Pair them up with the Saints, the first home game for New Orleans back at the Superdome this season and they're taking on the Giants. Should be a pretty favorable matchup for both squads. So again, those are the bets that I have right now involving Cincinnati, and that's where the line is currently looking ahead to Thursday night football. So tomorrow, of course, we'll get into more player props and first-half bets and all that good stuff when it comes to previewing the primetime game. But that's what I'm rocking with for Thursday night football. Now, let's get to it. It is the middle of the week, which means it is time for our midweek movements, the biggest movements in terms of whether it's the spread or total for the upcoming NFL week, which is week four. So let's get right into it, folks, and talk about the games that have altered the most, starting with Washington and Atlanta. Washington football team on the road taking on the Falcons, and Atlanta coming off their first win this season against the aforementioned New York Giants opened up as a one-point favorite. Total opened up about 49, but this line has flipped. It crossed the zero, and now we see Washington as the favorite. They're laying just one and a half, but the movement has gone toward Heineke and company, and now we see Washington laying the point and a half. Total has dipped a point, 49 down to 48, but nothing too crazy. But the spread did cross the zero, and now we see Washington as a point and a half favorite. Personally, I don't want to touch anything in this game, and I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Washington in the spot because I'm still sweating out my win total bet of over eight for him. But I think this is so tricky because, yes, you're getting Atlanta at home and, you know, not saying that their home crowd is a big advantage. But both teams, I don't think, have done anything to warrant having confidence in betting them in this particular matchup. I mean, Washington's defense hasn't, hasn't looked great. And the Falcons still look like the same Falcons team that we've seen these past couple of years or really since they made their trip to the Super Bowl. And Washington has been very volatile. Uh, ever since Heineke's gone in. So, again, I don't have any strong feeling, but the betting feeling has gone toward Washington. That's where the movement has been seen as of this point. All right, another game that I don't know if I'm going to get involved in because I know my heart's going to get broken one way or the other. That's the Bears taking on the Lions. We discussed this one yesterday with Dan Leach, who hosts the Detroit City cast. Uh, Chicago opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite in the spot. Detroit was getting all the love, now down to two and a half. So you're under the key number of three, still in favor of Chicago, minus two and a half. But the total also has seen some movement, 44 to 42. 
Okay, money line-wise, if you're interested, minus 143 for Chicago, plus 125 for Detroit. But again, you know, we talk about these movements and whether or not I agree with it. And how could you not agree with this one based on what you've seen from both teams as of this point? What happened in week one with the Bears against the Rams? Okay, that was expected. You could take some pros out of that game and move forward and think, okay, how can the Bears capitalize on this? Week two, you beat the Bengals in ugly fashion, but you get the win and you go, okay, well, now we have Justin Fields to look forward to. How is he going to do? Well, he should do well enough to keep it close, right? No, not even close. And it's not like that was a game the Bears were expected to win, but it was the fashion they lost that is making every Bears fan just rethink this whole season, and especially this game against the Lions that everybody's circling out going, yeah, maybe I'll buy tickets to that game so I could see a Bears win. And now you are just reconsidering that whole notion and that whole thought process, and the betting odds are implying that as now the movement has gone toward Detroit, just catching two and a half. And again, it's going to be probably an ugly division type of game. That's why you've also seen the movement in the total go from 44 down to 42. Again, I don't think I'm going to be touching it. Might do a prop with David Montgomery. We'll see where those numbers come out later in the week and discuss probably on Friday. All right, then we mentioned this game with the Saints and the Giants. I already talked about teasing down New Orleans. But some spots actually had New Orleans as a nine-point favorite in this game. So the Giants did see some love with that high number from nine now down to seven and a half is what the G-men are catching. Total really hasn't shifted too much. 43 and a half down to 43 or so. Or actually, it's going down to 42 now. So you have seen some more action go toward the under in this game. But look, the spread going against the Saints doesn't really bother me because, like I mentioned, I'm teasing this one down to where I just need the Saints to win by at least a field goal, and then we should be set. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to lay over the seven points with New Orleans, but I don't trust the Giants at the same time. But what I do trust is the Saints just getting at least a win by a field goal or more. So that's why you tease down the Saints in this good teaser situation. All right, Chiefs and Eagles. What can Patrick Mahomes do? Can they get another win under their belt? Well, of course, the spread implies that against Philadelphia, who had a rough outing on Monday Night Football against their division foe Dallas. Kansas City, currently a seven-point favorite, but they opened at five and a half. So people are believing in Patrick Mahomes to take advantage of this Eagles defense that certainly looked vulnerable against Dallas and company. So imagine what Patrick Mahomes can do. Five and a half up to seven with the spread. Total is ticked down a little bit. Nothing too crazy, but 55 down to 54 and a half in terms of how many points are going to be scored. But the big movement came with the spread. And people are thinking, hey, Patrick Mahomes is finally going to maybe get on a rhythm here and no better shot to do it than on the road against the Eagles. So Chiefs go from five and a half up to seven for a big movement in the middle of this week. All right, speaking of big, how about just a big spread all around? And, you know, not the craziest movement, but we haven't really talked about this game because it's not that, I don't know. I mean, it's fascinating in terms of how big the spread is in the NFL, but in terms of a matchup, I don't care as much. But the Bills and the Texans here, how about a current spread of 16.5 in favor of Buffalo? Total we're seeing at 47. The opening total was at 48, so you saw it move a point down to the under. The spread opened 17.5, and people are going, okay, that may be a little bit too much. We get the Texans are not going to be that good with Mills as your quarterback. The Bills have looked great, but maybe that's a little bit too high. Honestly, 16 and a half is too high. We see this happen in NFL games from time to time. And, you know, you kind of scratch your head because it's like, yeah, that's a huge number for these pro players. And seldom do you ever want to lay that. But can you trust Houston right now? Do you want to go against this Buffalo team that seems to have found the rhythm as of this point after week one? 
I'll leave that up to you to decide. I'm not going to be touching this high spread. I would only take the points with Houston. Back door cover wide open in this one. And you have seen the movement go down toward Houston, catching 17 and a half, down to catching 16 and a half. All right, let's talk about another game then. How about the Cardinals and the Rams? This one has a lot on the line in terms of just division outcome with Arizona and with Los Angeles. MVP race with Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray. In terms of the movement, we saw it open six in favor of Stafford and company. Now it's moved down to four and a half. So betters are back in Kyler Murray and company. They're catching four in the hook now. Plus 190 on the money line for the Cardinals. Minus 225 for the Rams. Total we saw open at about 53 and a half. Bumped up to 54 and a half. That seems about right to me that this over would get some attention. And I'm sure it'll even get higher once the public gets a hold of it on the weekend. But people are liking to take the points with Arizona, thinking they can keep it close against this Rams team that has looked solid as of this point. All right, then finally, we got the Tom Brady revenge game. You know I'm making the exception for the teaser, teasing down the road favorite for Tampa Bay. And look, the Bucks opened as a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and it seemed inevitable that the attention was going to go their way because of all the narratives set in this game. Tom Brady going back to face Belichick at Gillette Stadium. Tampa Bay opened five-and-a-half. They're now up to a seven-point favorite. Total didn't move too much, 49 up to 49-and-a-half. But that's the final big midweek movement. Tampa Bay going five and a half up to seven. All right, coming up next, we're going to keep it in the NFL. Wes Reynolds, fellow VEASAN host, will give us some of his best bets for the NFL Week 4 slate. I'm sure he eyed out some of those movements. Stick around. We'll let you know what they are next. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get to Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of and the then have, Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. 
I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the sports betting network. You're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams? Well, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. The Chicago City Cast, Detroit, Philly, and Pittsburgh City Casts are all up and running with five new episodes every week. Subscribe to your local City Cast wherever you get your podcast and get in tune with your local betting angles. Okay, welcome back to it. The show is Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers. And if you couldn't tell by the loud noise, we are live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook here, just outside of Chicago in Des Plaines, Illinois. We're keeping the convo going on the gridiron. Time to talk some NFL Week 4 action with our main man, Wes Reynolds. You can catch him on the tweets at Wes Reynolds 1, host of the Green Zone on Visa on the weekends with Dave Ross. Do great work with the in-game betting and just previewing the later games and whatever it may be. They get you ready for it. So, Wes, uh, how about you help us get ready for this upcoming slate of games? I know you got plenty of thoughts. Let's start with this Packers and Steelers game. Look, Pittsburgh uh, is a team that I'm sure many people are looking to fade. And personally, I'm looking to tease down Green Bay in this spot. We're seeing the spread at 7. Total is at 45.5. How do you think Pittsburgh fares at Lambeau in this game? Yeah, and Danny, uh, thanks for having me on. And and this, granted, is a hold-your-nose spot if you like Pittsburgh, and I do. And really just kind of going through the reasoning of it, it's kind of like where you got to read the market a little bit, I think, on this game. This look-ahead line, and the look-ahead lines are usually released Tuesday or Wednesday, the week before. So, like, yesterday, the Week 5 lines came out. Obviously, we're talking about Week 4 with these slate of games, but... You look at this look-ahead line, it was six and a half, right, with Green Bay over Pittsburgh. And then what did we see on Sunday? We saw the market come against Pittsburgh. This was like four and a half. It got bet down to three, and it was three in all the major contests. And Cincinnati goes ahead and gets a 24-10 win. Pittsburgh looked like they were never in the game. So Pittsburgh now has lost two in a row at home. 
And then on the other side of the coin, you look at Green Bay. Well, what do they do? They go on the road in a big Sunday night primetime spot and get the win, even when all hope was lost. They had 37 seconds left to go, no timeouts, but Aaron Rodgers does what Aaron Rodgers does, get him down the field. Mason Crosby kicks the game winner, and they go back to Lambeau 2-1. and one. So then you didn't really see an adjustment on Monday. It came out again at 6.5, and, and I know some sevens are starting to show, but they're kind of like week sevens more geared toward the underdog or juice toward the underdog side because obviously seven is a key number in the NFL. And I'm like, well, why hasn't this number moved all week? We know Pittsburgh looked terrible. We know that we see Ben Roethlisberger probably past his expiration date, at least as a higher-end NFL quarterback. So we're not seeing an adjustment, so that's making me think, okay, something's going on here. Something's rotten in Denmark, so to speak. And, look, I think Pittsburgh coming off two home losses, if you look in their really good spread roll, They've been very good as a road underdog. They're 12-3, and three, I think, their last 15 against the number as an underdog on the road. I know there's a couple injuries, but I still think this is a high-level, championship-level defense, not so much offensively. But you're not seeing a lot of sevens in the market. You're seeing a couple emerge, but not very many. And I think most books in the contest are going to stay at six and a half. So I'm going to be on Pittsburgh here. I want to try to get seven if I can, but I'm probably going to have to only use six and a half in the contest. Yeah, we're seeing seven right now at Bet Rivers, and as you alluded to, the odds are a little bit more in that direction. Minus 112 as opposed to laying minus 109 if you want to lay the seven with Green Bay. And I get your reasoning for that, Wes, and you know that's why I'm teasing down Green Bay, if anything, because I don't want to lay the touchdown. But and, and you and you mentioned, you know, it's like going in the stink, as you always say, you know, you're plugging your nose for this one. Does it still concern you, even though the number hasn't moved, and this can be applied to many situations, but even though the number hasn't moved, doesn't it kind of scare you based on how Big Ben has looked and because of those injuries that we've seen with Pittsburgh, or is this more so strictly a where-the-number-is-placed type of bet? It's a little bit of both. It's obviously where the number is placed. But look, Pittsburgh, we got to see if Watt is going to be able to go. He has listed as questionable. We know Deontay Johnson missed last week. Juju Smith-Schuster left the game with ribs. So, yeah, I want to see a more uh, a good injury report on Friday with the last practice availability. But I just I don't love this spot for Green Bay. They've got a couple injuries on defense as well. And, look, when you look at what we've seen out of Green Bay, putting the New Orleans game aside in week one where they got crushed, in week two, the, yeah, they covered a big number of 11.5 on a Monday night game against Detroit. But that game really didn't play out as an 18-point game. That was more like a 10-point game if you really go inside the numbers and really inside the stats. It looked a lot more even than I think met the eye. So I think the market, I think even you know the betting market may not be that convinced on Green Bay. I think the average better is going to come in and lay it, and maybe some are going to tease it down. I think that's probably the smart play if you're going to play Green Bay. But seeing that lack of adjustment, is making me think Pittsburgh is very live here. All right, well, Wes, let's move on to another spot that is a good teaser opportunity, at least in my eyes, and that's the Saints and the Giants. New Orleans heading home as a 7.5-point favorite. Total at 42 is they are hosting the Giants, who, Wes, we know have looked abysmal. But is this maybe another spot where you're looking to take advantage of that key number right at around 7 or, in this case, above? It is, Danny, and, and look, I'm not saying the Giants are good, but they're probably at least slightly better than people think. They lost to a Denver team that's pretty solid, that's 3-0 and right now in the opener, 
and they lost on last-second field goals in two game in the last two games. So they could easily be two and one. I mean, they weren't great against Atlanta on Sunday, but they were good enough. It's not like Atlanta was that good. They just happened to have the ball last and get the game-winning field goal. So you look and you get the Saints off that big performance in New England. They forced three Patriots turnovers and an upset win. This is the first game in the Superdome this year because, remember, New Orleans had to play that home game down in Jacksonville against the Saints in week one. So, look, you're going to have a raucous crowd here, but I think that that's already baked into the line. The New Orleans look-ahead line was minus six and a half, and I think what you've seen during the week, you've seen eight, you've seen eight and a half, just kind of getting the sense of the market right now, mostly seven and a half, eight out there. I think Bet Rivers is a seven and a half. So anything above the seven, I would be looking at the Giants here because I think that's a, a little bit of a pressure spot for the Saints. And I think maybe you could even look first half because it's like, there's going to be a little bit of nerves. There's going to be a little bit of jitters. It's like, hey, we got a Superdome full of fans now, and it's one of the better home field advantages in the league. So maybe they come out a little bit flat and a little bit nervy. And you know you've got a Giants team that's absolutely desperate at 0-3. But even in this NFC East, even though Dallas has looked good the last two games, we know that this division is going to be topsy-turvy. I don't expect anybody's really going to run away with this division. So the Giants have got to feel like, okay, we're in the cellar, but we're still a little bit live here. The offense absolutely needs to get better, but I think the defense has been pretty solid. All right, Wes, we got a couple minutes left and a couple more games to discuss. This one I'm actually very interested in your thoughts because I am close to wanting to play, but I don't know if I am actually going to do it. And it's the Jets and the Titans because I actually think it could be a good spot for the Jets catching 7.5 and, and maybe looking over the total of 44.5 for the Jets and Zach Wilson to take advantage of this bad Tennessee defense. But if it doesn't come to fruition, then I only have myself to blame because I'm betting on the Jets. So uh, I don't know. How right. about you? How do you right. see it? Are you looking to take the points in this spot? I am, and, and that's another uh, hold-your-nose type of play. But I really am – it's more of a play against Tennessee than I think it is an endorsement of the green slime here. Tennessee was minus three in turnover margin last week. They did get the win in the cover over Indianapolis, but they had Carson Wentz on two bum ankles. So I don't know how much credit I can give to them for that win. You're getting a team off being shut out. Granted, it was on the road with the Jets, but we saw it with Miami last week. They covered late. They got shut out at home. So I always kind of like those spots, Danny, when a team gets shut out the game before and nobody likes them to kind of go on the team that nobody likes. And I know Wilson's thrown seven picks, 15 sacks so far this season, but I still like the home dog here. And I think you've got the home dog actually with the better defense in the New York Jets. A lot of new faces on that Titans defense. So no thank you laying over seven on the road. I'll gladly take seven in the hook. All right, Wes, we got about 30 seconds really quick. Ravens, Broncos, who you like in that game? Yeah, I'm going to go with Baltimore here. Denver, I like them as a team, and they're off to a 3-0 and start, but easiest schedule in the NFL so far. The combined record of all their wins is 0-9. So major step up in class against the Baltimore team that kind of got their scare last week in Detroit. I think you see a much more focused Baltimore team coming out of the gate. Yeah, and that's where the line's gone as well. I mean, now we're seeing it as a one-point spread here. Still in favor of Denver, but Baltimore has been getting the attention thus far. Minus 103 money line, Denver's minus 112. Totals at 44.5, but you're right. It's been a cupcake schedule for this Denver team. Going to be a tough test with Lamar Jackson and company coming into the Mile High City. 
Well, Wes, like we said, we're up against it, my friend. But as always, a pleasure talking football with you. Best of luck with those plays, and I'll uh, look forward to catching up soon. You bet, Danny. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. At Wes Reynolds 1, you can follow him on Twitter. Catch him hosting the Green Zone Saturdays and Sundays. He gets you ready for college football and NFL and all those in-game betting angles. He's got you covered. Getting us covered next, Seth Galina with PFF. Stick around. This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the sports betting network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. You can do that by starting your VEASAN free trial today and you get full access to our sports betting experts, which include 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every single game. Plus, you get full access to VEASAN.com data and analysis. So you get everything VEASAN has to offer. And the good news is it's only $22 per month. So go ahead, check it out now at vsin.com slash subscribe. That is vsin.com slash subscribe. Okay, welcome back to it, folks. The show is Rush Hour right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host, live in the Chicagoland area at the Bet River Sportsbook. Joining us now is Seth Galena. It's good stuff, really, all around. College, NFL, hits everything football. Senior football analyst for PFF at PFF underscore Seth on Twitter. All right, Seth. So we're going to hit both college and NFL, and I know you're going to uh, you know, make fun of my favorite team, the Bears, for a little bit. We'll get to that in a few moments. But first, I want to talk some college football. And let's talk some SEC. What about Arkansas and Georgia this upcoming week? I was so, so tempted to taking the points with the Razorbacks here, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like it's almost a really good spot to take the points, but I guess I could see Georgia just completely dominating and covering and me feeling stupid. How do you think this one comes about? You know, Arkansas played them really well last year. But, of course, Georgia didn't have a quarterback in that game. And I wonder if, and I'm still not sold entirely on JT Daniels, but I wonder if that really makes a difference. And Arkansas is a really good football team. Uh, like, we have to just admit it to ourselves now. Arkansas is a really, really good football team in year two of the Sam Pittman era. They play... You know, Barry Odom, you know, not a great end to the tenure in Missouri. He's come back as a defensive coordinator here, and he's doing an unbelievable job. The front, you know, it's not really a front seven there. It's like a front five that they run because they're running that three high safety stuff on defense. They are legitimately good football players up front, and they could do some damage to a to a Georgia team that had trouble with, you know, at this point, the only other real team on their schedule, Clemson, up front. So there's a chance. I just think... I think Georgia is really good. Georgia is just, I mean, we all saw what, you know, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, Shane Beamer, said after the game. This team is l ludicrously talented, top to bottom, uh, you know, all, 20, all 22 players that, that start on that team. So it, it's an uphill battle. I like what Arkansas does on both on offense and defense, but, like, I kind of agree with you. Like, you, you can take, you know, take Arkansas all you want, but, like, Georgia's going to come out and win 49-10, and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, of course, it's Georgia. Exactly. I mean, pregame, you're thinking, I mean, how could you not take the points with Arkansas? Because you're right. At some point, we had to admit maybe they are somewhat legit, and they could 
they could compete with Georgia, but maybe Georgia also is really that good. So I think ultimately the safe move, at least for me, is going to be sticking away from it. Do you have any thoughts here with this total at 48? It's kind of short, but again, you know, both of these defenses have done very well. Could this be a shorter scoring type of game? Or as you kind of alluded to, could Georgia do enough to almost put it over the total themselves? I, I, I like the under to a certain degree, just because I do like how both defenses have played. And like I said, it's not like Georgia did anything in the one game that they've really played this year against a real team, and that was Clemson in week one. Obviously, the issue was really the other side of the ball with Clemson's offense. So, yeah, I could see it really going under because I don't know if Arkansas has enough playmakers top to bottom. Now, they have some high-end players. You know, Traylon Burks is a, is a great receiver, but I don't know if him and I don't – Honestly, we don't know much about the quarterback yet, KJ Jefferson, if he is the real deal. So I, I could really see it going under because at the end of the day, we're just not sure about the quarterbacks. We're, we're pretty, we're like getting there with JT Daniels in terms of our confidence level, what type of quarterback he is, but we still don't know yet. And we're still, we really just don't know with KJ Jefferson on the side. So I can see it going under for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's the way I lean as well. But you're right. Ultimately, at the end of the day, might be best to just stick away because there's so many things we are going to find out about each respective team at the end of it based on where they're heading the rest of the season. So that will be a fun one to watch go down. Another one that has a lot in the line and a lot of betting implications to a big group of people who I know looking for the underdog outright, Ole Miss and Alabama. Now, the Crimson Tide currently at Bet Rivers Lane 14 in the hook. This total is up to 80, but... That's Ole Miss and Alabama for you. Uh, do you agree with people thinking that Ole Miss could actually have some value in this game, winning outright plus 450? I mean, of course, taking the 14 and a half would be the safer route, but could this game be closer yeah. than the spread indicates? I think what scares me is exactly what happened last year, which is the game is close. It's tied. You know, they're going back and forth trading punches. And then Alabama just within the last five minutes, you know, they're up by a touchdown. They finally get a defensive stop. I believe that's how the game went. And then they pull away with a touchdown late. So I don't, so that would scare me if it's like a 10 point game and then they make it all of a sudden a 17 point game uh, late, like last year. Now, with that said, with the, taking Ole Miss outright, now look, Ole Miss, like historically, has obviously in the last, you know, within the last decade, has had success against Alabama. But. I don't know how you can live in a world where you're telling yourself that Ole Miss is going to get Alabama twice on defense. I think to a certain degree, Lane Kiffin had to show all of his cards last year, and he did a great job of kind of getting into some formations, into some motions uh, with, with all the tempo they do to fool Alabama's defense. It's almost like he you know, went into his cupboard and he found all the notes that he had from, you know, three years of working at Alabama and all the stuff that they hate to defend on defense. And he said, oh, guess what? We're going to do all this stuff. Can you do it again another year? That's the scary thing for me looking at Ole Miss. Now, once they, when they go ahead and win the game, like, you know, whatever the score is, 55, 52 or whatever, then we're all going to look like idiots. But like, that, that for me, is the scariest thing, taking Ole Miss outright, is can they just do this? Can they replicate it again against such a top defense who has better pass rushers this year, I think? Maybe not in the, in the coverage game, 
But I think, but you know, I'm rambling a bit here. But one of the issues that Ole Miss has is like they're a little. I feel like they're a little too spread to beat Alabama right now. Last year they had Kenny Yaboa as a tight end who could do everything, could run down the field, who can block and all that stuff. They don't really have that this year. I don't know if you can be in open formations, two by two, three by one open formations, and beat Alabama. But if there's one guy who can do it, it's Link Kiffin and Jeff Levitt. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think you're right. As fun as it would be to cash out that huge underdog ticket, if you have faith in Ole Miss, just take the safer route and take the 14 in the hook because you're getting it over the 14, <laughs> yeah. which is nice, yeah. too. So you're in the hook. So maybe take a gander at that spot, but you're right. Maybe by next week we're looking like idiots saying, all right, you missed out on the big plus money because we didn't fully believe in Kiffin. But regardless, that one is going to be a blast as well. Uh, some good games also to look forward to then on Sunday, Seth, with the NFL Let's talk Cardinals and Rams before we head out here. And if we have some time, we got a few minutes left. We'll talk Bears and Lions. But this one has a lot on the line with the division opponents and the Rams and the Cardinals and the MVP race. Top two guys right now are Kyler and Stafford. Four and a half is his spread. Total is 54 and a half. The Rams are the favorite at home. Do you think they are the better team in this spot? I love... I love the Rams. I can't say enough about the Rams. I'm very sorry, like to to all your Cardinals listeners on this, but what Stafford has brought to Sean McVay's offense, and you know when you when you really watch the offense, they're not doing a whole bunch of things that much differently in terms of the play concepts. Uh, they're doing some more stuff out of gun. Some of their runs are being run out of shotgun because they're in shotgun more because they have Matt Stafford and not Jack Goff. But like, at the end of the day, they're running the Sean McVay offense. It's just like he doesn't have to kind of baby Jared Goff anymore. And the results are <laughs> the results are stunning. And I can't get enough of this team. So I, I will say I, I haven't. I'm like a little skeptical on the Cardinals. And it's one of those things where I'm like, you know what? This is for me. I, like, I, I watch a lot of football, and I have to pick and choose my battles. And I haven't picked the Cardinals yet to kind of rewatch and figure out what's going on there. And I, this is definitely a game where I'm going to be like, all right, they win this game. They are for real because I think the Rams are really good. And then I'm going to have to start going in and saying, okay, what is going on? Has Kyler Murray evolved to the point where he's kind of at that Russell Wilson level where – yeah, maybe he can't, you know, run an offense with timing and stuff like that that we that we believe is necessary, but he can make all sorts of plays and it doesn't really matter. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. And but it's hard for me to get off the Rams fan. I'm not a Rams fan, but I swear this is my favorite team in the league right now. Hey, that happens, especially when it comes to looking for the betting angles. Some teams you just ride with. Some teams are just fun to watch. Both of these fit the bill, but, hey, the Rams have looked really good this year and have a good opportunity to keep it going against the Cardinals. Uh, Seth, unfortunately, we are, we're up against it, so we'll have to take a rain check on you ranting on the Bears. We'll do it in the future. There'll be plenty more opportunities. But until right. then, thanks for coming out and take care of them, man. See ya. All right, Seth Galita, ladies and gentlemen, at PFF underscore Seth on the tweets. All right, we were talking Kyler and Stafford, MVP. Let's keep it up. Futures, MVP race. We'll tell you those odds next. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my dance, (laughs) As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the sports betting network. Bed River Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And Bet Rivers has you covered for the entire NFL season. They are offering same game parlays in all pro football matchups. Plus, they're bringing back the Reduce the Juice promotion on game days. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million Beat the Spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at Bet Rivers. Download the app or go to betrivers.com to bet. Offers valid in Colorado, Iowa. Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaysureGrounds.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. one 3500 in Virginia and Iowa. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
All right, final segment here on a Wednesday in the Windy City. Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. It is Rush Hour on VCB Sports Betting Network. And since it is the middle of the week, we did already do our segment, Midweek Movements, which means it's time for our other segment, which I guess we don't have an official name for. But basically, we take a look at the updated futures odds week after week in the NFL. Now, the one we've been focusing in on the most has been MVP. We're doing Offensive Rookie of the Year a lot. We're going to switch that one up a little bit and go with Defensive Rookie of the Year. But first, let's get into that MVP discussion because we're always seeing movements in this one. And now we have a new leader at the top. That is Mr. Kyler Murray. He is 5-1 to one to become the NFL MVP, the shortest odds at Bet Rivers. Last week, Murray was 7-1. to one. We'll get into, you know, what could happen a little bit this week and furthermore. But your top guy right now, Kyler Murray, that 5-1 to one, moved down from 7-1 to one this past week. Then comes Matt Stafford at 6-1. to one. This past week, he was 10-1. to one. We talked about it. If he was able to get the dub over Tampa Bay, this was going to do huge things for his betting odds for MVP. And he moved down $4 from 10-1 to one to 6-1. to one. And the same can happen depending on who wins that Cardinals-Rams game. That is going to be who is at the top of the list after NFL Week 4. But right now, it's Kyler Murray 5-1. to one. Matt Stafford at six to one. Tom Brady last week, uh, he was six to one. He was second in line. They drop against the Rams. Now he moves down to eight to one. Big opportunity going against his former team in New England this week, and he still has the stats there and the narrative in terms of his age. So don't you know count out Tom Brady just yet. It's not like he's far down the list, but always a good opportunity to get better value after a loss. Josh Allen moves up from eleven to one. Now he's at 8-1 to one as he's finally getting more favorable opponents on his side or going against, rather, and it's going to continue as he's playing the Texans this week. But Josh Allen is 8-1. to one. Patrick Mahomes was your front runner at plus 550. Mahomes drops now to 9-1 to one in terms of the odds to win MVP, and he's been at the front really the whole time, and now he finally dropped back. Aaron Rodgers goes from 14-1 to one to 10-1. to one. Dak Prescott making moves from 15 to 1 to 13 to 1 odds to win NFL MVP. Justin Herbert goes from 20 to 1 to 16 to 1. Derek Carr, baby, Derek Carr keeps on moving up. Carr was 30 to 1 last week. Now he is at 20 to 1. Can you really grab your mind or grasp your mind around the opportunity of Derek Carr actually being MVP? Seems like a tall order, but look, value wise, could still be there with Derek Carr. Lamar Jackson goes up to 20 to 1 from 16 to 1 by barely beating the Lions. Russell Wilson, how about Wilson moving down from 14 to 1 to 22 to 1? I talked about Wilson having, you know, good value and especially if they could beat the Vikings, but man, a big shift for Russell Wilson. So like we do, let's kind of, you know, let you know who the leaders are or are in the, you know, important categories that most people take a gander at, and that's passing yards to begin with. Derek Carcel at the top. He's got 1,203 passing yards as of this point. Passing touchdowns. Tom Brady takes the cake for that category with 10 passing touchdowns. Then we have completion percentage. How about Dak Prescott? Still got that ticket, baby. Comeback player of the year. He is now the favorite. You're laying a prize for him in that category. But again, for MVP, he's making his way up as well. And he is leading the completion percentage category with 77.5% of his passes being completed. Interceptions, still Russell Wilson, still with no picks as of this point. Wins, you get Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, and Derek Carr. Those dudes have not lost. Kyler Murray or Matt Stafford will this week. Derek Carr has an opportunity to keep on trucking against the Chargers. But 
also kind of doing the subset of categories now whose odds will move down presumably because of the favorable matchup they have and what to keep an eye out for if you do want to place the bet get the better value sooner rather than later of course josh allen versus the texans are you know almost a 17 point favorite so you got to assume allen's going to pad his stats against houston the homes versus the eagles now, the Eagles' defense absolutely looked vulnerable against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Now you're getting Mahomes and company coming to town. Patrick, with two losses on the schedule at this point, expect a big game out of Mahomes. And then you get Aaron Rodgers versus Steelers. You know, we talked about this game with Wes about 30 minutes ago, whatever it was. And, yeah, Pittsburgh could be a good spot taking the seven. I personally am teasing them down. Who knows how their defense is going to look? Who knows how healthy they're going to be? Aaron Rodgers can absolutely thrive against them and has a very favorable matchup, in my opinion, against Pittsburgh at home. Now, looking at another angle, whose odds are going to change because of a big win, not because necessarily a favorable matchup, but because of a key, important win. Well, it's going to be either Stafford or Kyler Murray against each respective team because that's going to be big in the division for the MVP race and for the record books. We'll have a big gauge on each other's team. Realistically, probably going to be Stafford, so keep that in mind. I know the odds are short now, but Stafford may move up to the favorite after this weekend. Another good spot, though, too. We talk about Derek Carr goes down to 20-1. to 1. What if he, on Monday Night Football primetime, is able to go on the road and beat a very solid Chargers team? That is going to put a lot of respect on Derek Carr. Probably get him down to, what, 13-1, to 14-15-1, somewhere around there. I may be over-exaggerating, but honestly, if he can get that win, stay undefeated, on primetime football again and have a good win. Got to give Derek Carr his respect. That could be a very notable spot for Carr. Uh, Russell Wilson on the road against the 49ers division game. They could turn things around, take advantage against this good 49ers defense. Then you'll see Wilson probably drop back down to about the 15, 16, 17 range. Then Lamar Jackson also on the road against the Broncos. Look, Denver's undefeated. Yes, they haven't played anybody tough, but if Lamar Jackson, based on the tough you know, really just adversity they've been dealing with as at this point can go to the Mile High City against this Broncos defense that has, had, that has looked good despite them playing weak opponents. Jackson will move down a little bit. That could be a big win for Lamar Jackson. So at the end of it, who to consider? Well, of course, it's going to be who you think wins the Rams and the Cardinals game. Probably Stafford. Also, he's got the narrative with his new team included into that. So I think you give the edge to Stafford. Tom Brady's also somebody to keep in mind. You're getting a little bit better value now in the revenge game against the Patriots. He has the age narrative and his stats still look very good and has great weapons and a very favorable remaining schedule for him to bode well for his MVP candidacy. Dak Prescott, he's got the coming back from injury narrative. He's got the weapons. He's got a hold of the, of the division right now, and he's been looking stellar. Uh, Derek Carr, again, we just talked about. He can beat the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Will it happen? Probably not, but look, that could be big for him. And then Russell Wilson, just based on pure value at 22 to 1, and because of how much depth they have offensively, just could be worth a look because of that. But I still like Tom Brady a lot. Is kind of your perfect middle of the pack guy. Because of that schedule, and again, that age narrative, that would be an awesome thing for him to win in this season for Tom Brady. That's how MVP is looking at right now. I mean, how the odds are stacking up, and we've seen new guys take the top. We're going to keep updating this every week because it is really fun and going to present a lot of good opportunities down the road. What about a different category, though? We've talked about Offensive Rookie of the Year. Let's really quick dive into Defensive Rookie of the Year. Micah Parsons is the short shot right now at 2-1 to one odds. Patrick Sertan, the second, he is at 4-1, to one, and he's had a pretty solid year with Denver. 
Uh, Jeremiah Oasua Koromoa, the linebacker for the Browns, is at 9 to 1. And then Jamin Davis, the linebacker for Washington, is at 10 to 1. Look, Parsons is the rightful short shot. He's got 13 total tackles, eight solo, one and a half sacks. Sertan has nine total tackles, seven solo, one interception. Uh, Oasua Koromoa's got 10 total tackles, half a sack. Davis had 12 total tackles, but no sacks. Look, I know it's a short shot. But really, the only guy to play here, in my opinion, is Micah Parsons. He had the popularity coming into it this season. Being on Hard Knocks absolutely helped with that, and just the hype around him regardless. And you're on America's team, you know, so-called America's team, depending on who you ask. And they are going to be a team probably at the top of their respective division. Micah Parsons is getting a lot of mainstream attention. And because of his position, because of the team he is on, he is going to keep getting that. If he can stay healthy and keep on this track... Micah Parsons will be your defensive rookie of the year. No, it's not ideal, only taking two-to-one odds, but making money is still making money, and if you're looking for an avenue to do it, Micah Parsons for defensive rookie of the year could be your outlook. So that's what it's stacking up at in terms of the futures that stuck out to me really right now. Of course, we'll have different ones next week. We'll still touch on the MVP, but plenty more to dissect, including tomorrow's Thursday night football game. We will have you squared away with all of the props, first half bets, for the Bengals and the Jags. Until then, from all of us here at Rush Hour, take care, best of luck with your wagers, and enjoy your night. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.